Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. My transcription. In the newspapers, I can read the handwriting on the wall. I am a complete failure as President of the United States. Starring Edward Arnold and written by Gene Holloway. <laughs> Mr. President at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. bring you Mr. President in just a moment. But first, a little about the man who plays this role so realistically. You know, it's no accident that Edward Arnold was chosen for this part. An actor was needed with the aggressiveness of Teddy Roosevelt, the warmth and humility of Abe Lincoln, and the tenacity of Andrew Jackson. Who but Edward Arnold could portray all these characters convincingly? Mr. Arnold was also so enthusiastic about the program that despite his many Hollywood commitments, he determined to be Mr. President. Arnold's personal life parallels that of several of our chief executives. His beginnings were very humble. He achieved his present fame through sheer tenacity and hard work. He typifies that pioneer spirit associated with American presidents. And now, let's listen to Edward Arnold in Mr. President and see if you can name the president upon whom this episode is based. Here's a story that happened to the president a few years ago. Listen closely and see if you can tell who the president was. England and France were at war, and there was an anxious meeting going on with the president's cabinet. Gentlemen, the issue is very clear. Do we or do we not want to be involved in a war with England? I am against anything that would send this country to war again with a foreign power. But, Mr. President, we have a treaty with France. We can't go back on treaty that. Treaty or no treaty, we are not in a position to fight a war right now. In any case, your aid does not come with any official sanction from the head of the government of France. Our sympathies must be with any people fighting for liberty. Our sympathies are with them. But we cannot not afford to be involved at the present time. I think we should issue a proclamation of neutrality. If we don't, we are going to betray the people of this country. If we do, we are going to betray the honor of the people of this country. I don't think we should even receive Genet. We must receive him. Why, if we did not receive him, public sympathy for France might well rise up in this country and overthrow the government. The people wish to live up to the treaty. Read the papers. The people do not understand all the issues involved or how hard put we would be to go to war just now. We could well lose everything in such a fight. We were very glad to accept the French treaty at the time we made it. I think we should live up to it. We owe France a great deal. I take exception to that remark. I don't think we owe France half as much as she would like to make us think we owe her. Mr. President, if you come out publicly in favor of rejecting our treaty with France, you're going to lose whatever public favor you have, I want. I have little left to lose. No one knows that better than I. But when I quit this office, I will quit it knowing that I did my best to serve the people in the way I thought was right. I do not believe I will be serving them 
if I lead them into war at this time. Are you going to refuse to receive Janay, then? No. I'll receive him since you want me to receive him. But I warn you, I intend to try and find a way out of this treaty. The people are clamoring to go to war with England. Mingle with them. Find out for yourself. Listen to them. I hear them all the time. I hear the voices of men I saw die on the battlefield. I hear the voices of the mothers that bore them and the women who loved them. The people who want war always shout the loudest. Don't be deceived by them. I'm a soldier, and I tell you that those who must fight the war are not shouting for it now. I'm sure of that. I insist that we issue a proclamation of neutrality and order that no citizen of the United States engage in the war. But what about the treaty? Well, for the time being, let us hold the treaty in abeyance. morning, Doctor. I didn't realize you were coming over this morning or I would have made it a point to be here. I had some errands. I'm just leaving. Streets are mobbed, aren't they? The people are really turning out to welcome Citizen Genet. Yes. I understand this to be quite a demonstration. Three volleys of artillery. Yeah, France will get us into this war yet. Not if the President can help it. How did you find him? Nothing serious wrong with him. I just haven't liked the way he's been looking lately. No, neither have I. He looks tired. And for the first time in his life, he looks old. What is it? Is the job just getting too much for him? He seems to feel that the people have lost faith in him. That they don't want him anymore. Oh, that's ridiculous. It doesn't seem so ridiculous when you read the newspapers, Doctor, and when you listen to what people are saying... They seem to be attacking him from all sides. The president has always had opponents, and he's always known how to deal with them. Yes. Well, now he feels that he has more opponents than he has friends. <laughs> but that isn't true. Mm, perhaps it isn't. But that's what he believes. And it's a sad thing to give your entire life for your country and then feel that they've turned against you. Well, see if you can cheer him up, huh? I will. I'll tell you one thing. I'd love to be a mouse in a corner when he receives Citizen Genet this afternoon. Monsieur Genet? Citizen Genet. Citizen Genet? Would you mind repeating what you just said? Well, Monsieur the President, I said I represented French Revolutionary Government. Yes, I understand that. I'm referring to the treaty. According to the treaty agreed upon between France and the United States back in 1778, the United States guaranteed the rights of France in the West Indies. You know about this treaty, of course. Yes, I know about the treaty. Please continue. You were about to say that... The treaty also guarantees that France may use your arbors in time of war. The treaty does not specifically guarantee that, Monsieur Ganin. I'm quite familiar with its provisions. Then you must know that the treaty provides for the use of your arbors. I beg to differ with you, Monsieur Genet. That is your interpretation of the treaty. It does not specifically provide any such thing. Am I then to understand that the United States does not intend to abide by her treaty with France? Monsieur Genet, I cannot answer that question without a great deal of thought and discussion. Your country is at war with England. My country naturally does not wish to get involved in that war. A treaty is a treaty. An agreement is a thing of honor between nations and gentlemen. Thank you, Monsieur Genet. I am quite aware of that. 
I shall await your answer, Monsieur le President. I'll see that you have my answer as soon as possible, Monsieur Genet. And furthermore, Monsieur le President, I must inform you that I consider it a deliberate affront to my country that you have the bust of King Louis XVI in your foyer. Good day, Monsieur. <laughs> My dear, won't you please sit down? You've been charging up and down the room like a caged lion. Problems, problems, problems. Sometimes I think that all the forces of this world and the next are leagued against me. <laughs> I hardly think that, Mr. President. As if I didn't have enough already. Now this French affair. Is Mr. Genet correct in his claim? Monsieur Genet. Well, in a manner of speaking, yes. We do have a treaty with France. But if we live up to it, that means we are siding with France in her war against England and we'll be at war with England. Well, no matter how I decide to handle it, the people will say I'm wrong. I believe I've lost their confidence. Why do you say that? Have you been reading the papers lately? Let me read you what it says in this paper. Quote, if ever a nation was debauched by a man, the American nation has been debauched by the president. End of quote. Well, that newspaper has always been opposed to your policies. You mustn't be so sensitive. Oh, I've been counting the days until my term in office was up. It's easy to see the people are counting the days, too. I'm tired. I want to go home. I never wanted to be president. If they had let me alone, I might be remembered and honored by my countrymen. But now, look at the record I'm forced to leave behind me. Attacks, accusations, disgrace. Now, my dear, you mustn't say that. You are hardly disgraced just because a newspaper says a thing like that. I have given of my best, and my best has not been enough. Do you know... It would give that newspaper and your opponent enormous satisfaction if they knew they had already won their victory against you. Already won their victory? What do you mean? Well, you're going down in defeat without ever striking a blow. Just because you don't like what they're saying about you, you've decided that the whole country's against you. You're giving them a very easy victory, my dear. I thought I married a fighting man. Well, you did. Well, I'd never know it to look at you now. Oh, there are some things you can't fight, This isn't one of them. Oh, isn't it? Your job is to be the best kind of president you know how to be, and as long as you're doing that, the people are going to be behind you. Well, that sounds well, but it isn't necessarily true. Well, you have a great deal of faith in the people, my dear. So did you. One. Well, now, wait a minute. I still have faith in the people as far as... Uh, as far as... Yes, as far as... The people could turn against you. All right, suppose they do. They can turn right back again, too. Are you scolding me? I most certainly am. Well, I'll be switched. What do you want me to do? I want you to carry the day. I want you to go right on doing what's right as you see it and stop worrying about what your opposition has to say. <laughs> you know, you're using the same identical tone of voice on me that I used on my troops before I sent them out on the field. Hmm. And do you know something like that? They may have lost a skirmish here and there, but they did carry the day. So will you, Mr. President. Madam President, do you know why I married you? Of course. You told me, because I was the prettiest girl you ever saw. Oh, no, 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 sir, not a bit of it. I married you because you had the makings of a great general. <laughs> Mr. President, why don't you and Alex look through that treaty for a loophole? There's always a loophole if you hunt long enough. Madam President, where did you learn all the things you know? Why, from you, Mr. President, from you. <laughs> Thank you.
give up, Alex. I give up. I just don't know what we're going to do. We can't face a war with England now, and yet you, you heard the cabinet. Some of them seem to think we must go. And they are men of honor. When I left New York, Genet was being lionized by all our political opponents. They think we'll have to live up to the treaty, but that will cause a war. Then the country will turn against you and our party, and they will be in. Genet came to them like a gift from the gods. Well, it's not going to work. There's some way out of this, and I'm going to find it. Yes, I'm busy. I'm sorry to disturb you, but Jimmy's been announced three times, and if you don't come and eat it, it's not going to be fit to eat. Oh, I'm sorry, my dear. We we didn't hear it announced. We're so immersed in this problem of the treaty with France. You have it all figured out by now, haven't you? Figured out by now? <laughs> Listen to her, Alex. I wish her faith in us was justified by our achievements. My dear, these things take a great deal of time and thought. Women don't understand things like this. It isn't easy to cope with these affairs of national importance. Isn't that odd? I would have thought it was very easy. You're quite right, my dear. Women don't understand things like this. Because I would have thought that you didn't really have a problem at all. It's a very serious problem. Indeed it is. Yes. Treaties are very difficult things for a woman to comprehend. I thought you had no problem because... Well, after all, the treaty was made with King Louis XVI, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Let's go down to dinner. Now that you've mentioned it, I am famished, and I'm sure Alex is. Yes, love. Now, you see how foolish I am. I thought, because the treaty was made with King Louis, and since he was beheaded by the revolutionists, and Mr. Genet is here as a representative of the revolutionist government, that any treaty made with the royalist government would naturally have no longer any validity. Well, of course, things like that are too deep for a... For... Alex, did you hear what she said? Did I hear it? I'm speechless. That just might work. It just might work. Now, come on, let's have dinner before it gets cold. Madam President, do you realize you may have solved the treaty question? You may have found our loophole for us. Have I? Well, that's nice, dear. Now, hurry along, or the roast beef won't be fit to eat. Alex, we'll go to work on this right after dinner. Maybe this is our way out. Uh, Madam President, would you mind if I kissed you on the cheek? Mr. President, I'd love it. In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. One to a customer. That's the score when it comes to hearts. But there are 21 kinds of heart disease waiting to attack that one heart we each have. And these diseases make heart trouble our leading cause of death. This is a record too appalling to be ignored. We must act. And act we can by contributing to the 1950 heart campaign. Our dollars make it possible to conduct research against disease of the heart and blood vessels. To make facts available to the public. And to set up community heart programs where and when they're needed. Our contributions to the heart campaign are the best possible protection for ourselves and for those we love. Remember, heart disease knows no class distinction. It strikes rich and poor, young and old. It's our leading death dealer. So support your local heart campaign. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Have you guessed who the president was when all this happened? It really did happen, you know, so listen closely. The crisis with France smoldered and seemed about to burst into flames at any moment. The opposition newspapers screamed that the president was turning a deaf ear to the cause of liberty. 
People started wearing the tricolor, and public sympathies seemed to be overwhelming me with France. The president wrote, I believe it is the sincere wish of the United Americas to have nothing to do with the political intrigues or the squabbles of European nations, but on the contrary, to exchange commodities and live in peace and amity with all the inhabitants of the earth. The people read his words, Congress read them, his cabinet read them, tempers grew shorter and developed hotter. How can we dare to turn our backs on our obligations to France, particularly in view of the fact that she is fighting for the cause dearest to the American heart, the freedom of man? The president is disgracing and humiliating our country. I think the president is right. We're in no position to go to war right now. We have no quarrel with England. England is not trying to invade France. France declared war on England. The issues were muddled. People weren't quite sure what it was all about. But the Marseillaise had a thrilling ring to it. And liberty, equality, fraternity was a magnificent phrase. They forgot that the phrase and the song meant one thing when they were the heartbeat of Frenchmen fighting for the liberation of France. And there were quite another thing sung by the French soldiers on the way to England. The president pondered all of these things in his heart. And finally he sent for Charles Genet. Well, Monsieur the President, I am happy that you find the time for me at last. And the issues are grave, Monsieur Genet. Citizen Genet. Citizen Genet? They take a good deal of thought. I trust you are going to live up to your treaty with France, Monsieur the President. Citizen Genet, I have discussed this problem with my cabinet at some length. In our opinion, we have no treaty with the French government now in existence. You have no treaty? You certainly do have a treaty. It is there in black and white for anyone to read. Our treaty was with the King of France. The King is dead. Your treaty was with the French government. The French government with whom we made the treaty is dead too, Citizen Genet. Monsieur, have you read the newspapers? I read them constantly, Citizen Genet. The newspapers are clamoring for support of France. They want to fight beside us against that common enemy. But you and only you stand between this country and war, Monsieur the President. Are you presuming to explain my country to me, Citizen Genet? Someone must do it. Did you not hear the gun salute that greeted me when I arrived? Did you not hear the church bells? Did you not hear the scream of the multitude? Yes, I heard them. And I thought at the time how like children they are in their enthusiasms and in their tributes. They have a common bond with the people of France, for they too fought for liberty and equality and fraternity. And because they love France, I do not intend to let them be betrayed. You are the president of the United States. Is it not your duty to do the will of the people? Yes, but it is also my duty to protect them and counsel them, which is what I'm trying to do now. You say all the people want war. On my desk, you will find a paper signed by many of the residents of this very city, commending me for my stand on the neutrality proclamation. Is this your final word? You absolutely refuse to honor the treaty? I do, as far as permitting you to use our harbors as shelters for your privateers. Very well, Monsieur the President. Then I warn you. I shall go to the people and appeal directly to them. It is not inconceivable that a revolution could be born in America, too, and your government overthrown. Monsieur Genet, your papers will be returned to you. You are no longer welcome in this country. Perhaps you are no longer welcome, Monsieur le Président. We will see what the people have to say. Oh, good morning, Alex. I was hoping you'd be here early for the cabinet meeting. I want to compliment you on the series of articles you've published on the reasons for the proclamation of neutrality. I think they have done a great deal of good. Thank you, Mr. President. I've been waiting for the people to arrive with Monsieur Genet at the head of them and drag me through the streets of the city as he threatened them. But so far, no one has come. No, Genet has failed to overthrow the government. But he has accomplished one thing. 
He has a ship ready to sail from Philadelphia in open violation of the neutrality proclamation. I've heard rumors about that. I think we should put up a battery, if necessary, to stop that sailing. It will never sail. Why do you say that? I just don't believe it will. Genet has ceased to alarm me. He talks far too much. And a man who talks too much is always his own undoing. I'm going to tell the cabinet today about my conversation with Genet and my orders that he return to France and see what they have to say about that. Well, gentlemen, that about sums up the conversation. In substance, I have ordered citizens, Genet, out of the country. You know... I am reminded of a cartoon that was in the paper the other day which showed that a guillotine might be used on a president as well as a king when he begins to act like one. By all that's holy, I've stood enough. You've gone too far, sir. To dare suggest as you have been by constant implication that I want to be king of this country. I would rather be in my grave than be in my present situation. I have fought for this country for our ideals, risked my life many times over, was proud to risk it. When you came and asked me to be president, I refused the office repeatedly. But everyone insisted until against my better judgment I accepted. And now you dare suggest for one moment that I want to be king? For my country, I want only one thing. Security and the liberty they fought for. For myself, I want only one thing. Peace in which to end my days. It's impossible for me to function as president of this country. No man can function as president without the faith of the men he's trying to work with and the people he's trying to work for. Good day, gentlemen. Gentlemen of the cabinet, I suggest we support the president and approve his instruction that Genet be recalled. What is it? There are several notes here from members of the cabinet. I think they are apologies. Oh, it doesn't matter. And you will never guess who has been waiting for hours to see you. Who? Citizen Genet. Oh, I'm not up to coping with Genet right now. He's been waiting so long. And do you know what he did when he came in? What? The boss of King Louis XVI was crooked on its pedestal, and Citizen Genet straightened it. I don't really want to see him today. Now, you've sat in here moping long enough. You've got to get back to work. After all, you're the president of the United States. Mm, no one seems to care about that. Oh, yes, they do. The cabinet cares, and the people care, and I care. Just because you've had a fight with the cabinet, you can't let the people suffer. Well, the people don't believe in me any longer. You're wrong. The people are angry with Monsieur Genet for the way he spoke to you, and the bands have stopped playing the Marseillaise. And I didn't see one person wearing a tricolor in the whole city today. I think that the French vogue is over. Do you really think so? I really do. Now, suppose I send Monsieur Genet in to see you, Mr. President. Well, I suppose I should get back to work. Though I lost my temper in the cabinet meeting, I, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I disagree. Personally, I think that was one of the wisest things you ever did. It cleared the air. Now, let me send Genet in. You may go in, Monsieur Genet. Thank you, Madame President. Uh... Good afternoon, Mr. President. Good afternoon, Citizen Genet. Uh, Mr. Genet, if you please, Mr. President. Mr. Genet? Uh, that is how I would like it, Mr. President. Sir, 
Uh, you, you are very great apology, and I don't even know how to begin it. I was completely out of order to speak to you as I did. Well, no, I'm glad to hear you say that, Citizen J. I, I mean, Mr. Cheney. I could never turn the people against you. I found that out. Your people love you, Mr. President. Uh, you may have political enemies, but the people are with you. I won't deny that I have been for a certain amount of suffering to find this out. Mr. Genet, you have made me very happy by telling me this. Well, then, Mr. President, in return, would you do me a very great favor? Would you permit me to remain in America? Permit you to remain? As a private citizen and as an American. Quite frankly, Mr. President, if I do go home... They will surely execute me because I have failed so completely in my mission. Oh, they will, will they? Ah, yes. Only in this country is a man given a second chance. Monsieur President, would you please give me one? Well, suppose we let bygones be bygones and see what happens. We could always use good citizens in this country. I will do my best to be a very good citizen. Then welcome to America, Mr. Genet. Thank you, with all my uh, Mr. President. <laughs> Well, you've probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. You'll know the news inside and outside when you hear Walter Winchell tonight over the same ABC station. And when it's news styled the Winchell way, it's also 15 minutes of exciting news exclusives and exposés. From coast to coast, this dynamic commentator with the famous machine gun delivery gives listeners the lowdown on the week's highlight happenings. Winchell not only brings you news that's currently making history in America, he brings you news that's happening now, today, in Paris, London, Rome, and other leading news capitals of the world. So don't forget, for a forthright, vigorous commentary on the news of the week, listen when Walter Winchell reports tonight over these same ABC stations. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. I have here. I can't imagine. An invitation to a wedding. Mr. Genet is marrying one of George Clinton's daughters. No, well, that's nice. You know, he settled down beautifully in this country. He gave us a bad time for a while, though. <laughs> but that's all in the past now. You gave me a bad time, too. Me? I'm sure that no wife ever had a harder time convincing her husband that he was going to be first in the hearts of his countrymen, Mr. Washington. <laughs> Be with us again next week, won't you, for another interesting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Until then, goodbye. This program is produced and directed by Dick Woman. Edward Arnold can currently be seen in the Paramount picture, Dear Wife. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. Today's story was based on incidents in the life of President George Washington. Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President.
Mr. President was transcribed from its earlier network broadcast for release to our Western listeners at this more convenient time. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. <laughs>